What's up and welcome to a special Locked on Bucks slash Locked on Falcons collaboration episode. I am James Yarko of Locked on Bucks, joined as always by my co-host David Harrison. And also with us is Aaron Freeman of the Locked on Falcons podcast. So Aaron, we'll start with you. How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, looking forward to this Monday night game. Hopefully the Falcons can get another win. You probably don't have a whole lot to worry about there, bud. (laughs) David, how are you doing tonight? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm doing great, finishing up a a successful business trip, but a business trip nonetheless, and ready to get home. And uh, I kind of echo those sentiments, Aaron. You're you're probably going to get your wish. Yeah, Yeah. appreciate it. Well, we like to wish everybody a happy Friday, but not only is it Friday, and David, I know you don't care, but everyone, it is Star Wars Day, and I am jacked. Been waiting for this movie for months, and unlike the Buccaneers, Star Wars doesn't let me down, like, weekly. So, all right, you can find us at Locked on Bucks at the Peter Plank. I am at Yarko underscore Bucks. David is at DH82 underscore Bucks. Aaron, where can the fine folks find you on twitter at falcfans f-a-l-c-f-a-n-s all right tonight we are going to be diving in to what we learned about the opponent in the first go around we're going to be sending it over to aaron to tell us about three falcons to keep an eye on and then david and i are going to cover three buccaneers to keep an eye on we're going to wrap things up with score predictions at the end. So why don't we go ahead and jump in here. And Aaron, we're going to start with you. What are some things that you learned about the the first meeting between the Bucs and the Falcons? You know, something that you learned about the Bucs, maybe what the Falcons can do Monday night to make sure that they're staying in the thick of the playoff hunt. Well, probably the most prominent thing I learned from that first meeting was despite the fact that he coached him, for multiple years, Mike Smith doesn't really understand how you are supposed to play Julio Jones. Oh. And uh, his decision to basically play zone coverage, probably with the idea of we'll play zone and we won't let him get any big plays, wound up you know, biting them really hard in the butt. And I think um, it, it is a little bit interesting to sort of look at the former Falcon coaching staff a Bucks team with a bunch of former Falcon players and sort of seeing things not going particularly well for them after a pretty rough exit from Atlanta. Yeah, I uh, the the coverage on Julio Jones in that first game was dumbfounding to us all. And after the game, Dirk Cutter had said that the Buccaneers defense ran 14 different coverages in that game, yet none of them lined up as Brent Grimes is going to cover Julio Jones and just follow him around the field. Now, is that going to stop Julio Jones from having a big game? No, probably not, but it would have slowed things down a little bit. And real quick, I'm going to throw out, throw out a few numbers. A friend of the show, Jason Moore of the fantasy footballers threw out this tweet in his last seven games against the Buccaneers, Julio Jones has 61 receptions for 965 yards and seven touchdowns. That is staggering 
That is better than some players' entire season, and he's done it in seven games against the Buccaneers alone. I was interested in that sort of stat because when the game last time I had someone on and I looked up Julio's numbers because he always seems to go off against the Bucs every now and then, and looking at his sort of career numbers, and I, I can't remember if it's been 12 games or, or something around that, and like it's something like 90 catches for like 1,300 yards and 10-plus touchdowns, and I was joking then, like, I can't wait to see what Julio does when he gets to a full 16 uh, games worth against the Bucs. It's going to be something ridiculous, like 150 catches for like 2,000 yards or something like that, and yeah. it, it, it is staggering how it just seems like over many, many years how the Bucks still haven't been able to figure out how to at least keep him somewhat contained. You know, like in, in this case, it's really like if you can keep Julio Jones under 120 yards, uh, that's that's probably a win for the Bucs uh, relative to how how some of the performances they've had against him in the past. Yeah, of, of those seven games, five of them he's gone over 100 yards, and in five of them he has a touchdown. His worst performance was 93 yards, and that's a – Pretty darn good, bad day, quote unquote. So, David, I mean, why don't you go ahead and and jump in? And what did, outside of the Buccaneers not understanding that Julio Jones is an elite receiver, what's something that you learned from the first matchup that maybe will carry over in here and, and potentially help the Buccaneers out in playing the role of spoiler since their season is just waiting to end? Well, they're not gonna spoil anything, but I mean, what what I learned back when they when they played the Falcons the first time, yeah, it's not really so much saying that I learned it, but it kind of just affirmed what you and I have been talking about privately behind the scenes. And then following this game, I don't know if it was immediately following this game or you know a week or two later, but we kind of basically said it out out loud and and on the air, so to speak, is that the, the coaching staff doesn't know how to adjust. The coaching staff doesn't know. I don't. I don't even want to say they don't know how to because your NFL coaches. There has to be the ability in you to be able to adjust your scheme and your plan of attack against an offense or against a defense, even to to be successful. There's too stubborn to do so. Um, you know, it, it had been it had been talked about and mentioned and rumbled about beforehand, but this game more than anything just solidified the fact that it doesn't happen because you know the coaches came out and, and Dirk Clare specifically came out, like you said, and said we ran 14 different coverages. And then it was Julio right after, you know, not too long after that, saying, um, well, they didn't change anything, so we didn't change anything. So it, it kind of reminds me of, like, when I, when, I, when I ask my wife, like, or when my wife's like, hey, can you grab me the white towel? And I open the closet, and there's all these white towels. I grab her a white towel, and I bring it downstairs. And she's like, that's not white. That's this color. And I go back up, and there's, like, 14 different shades of white. Well, guess what? They all look white. So those aren't adjustments. You know what I mean? Like, like well, and I, I kind of want to know, and I, I know we're past the point. I know I'm, I'm getting mad about nothing really, but I want to know, like, what were these 14 changes? Because I'm, I'm curious, like, because are we talking about a change where it's like, well, on the first drive, we told Ryan Smith to play bump coverage against Julio. But then on the second drive, we told him to play off. Uh-huh. Adjustment. No, that's not an adjustment. That's stupid. You know what I mean? So that's that's kind of what what solidified in my mind is we're coming out saying, oh, we, we did 14 different looks against the Falcons offense and Julio Jones come out saying they didn't change anything about their look. So we just took advantage of it all day. 
that just kind of shows the stubbornness of this coaching staff because even you know they're lying to they're lying to themselves. They're not just lying to the media, which all coaches do at some point in time, but they're lying to themselves because they fooled themselves into thinking they did 14 different things when in fact it was all the same crap. All right. Well, coming up next, we are going to dive into three Atlanta Falcons players to watch with Aaron Freeman of the Locked On Falcons podcast. You are listening to a collaboration episode of the Locked On Bucks and Locked On Falcons podcast, and it is James Yarko, David Harrison, and Aaron Freeman discussing the Monday night matchup between the Buccaneers and the Falcons. And right now we're going to dive into three Falcons players to keep an eye on. Aaron, who would you say is is the number one Falcon to keep an eye on? I have a feeling I know where you're going to go, but we're going to go ahead and go there anyway. Yeah, I think I'll just get it out. I think Julio Jones is probably the number one guy. I think if, you know, when the Falcons are at their best, it's when, you know, Julio's at his best. And one of their successes in recent years has been to be able to survive without Julio needing to go off. But if he can go off, then it, it just makes things so much more easier because every it's just a, a trickle-down effect to the rest of the offense. So I think he's obviously one key player. I think the other key player would be Devontae Freeman, who did not play in that first matchup. Uh, Tevin Coleman had a lot of success replacing him. Coleman's dealing with a concussion issue. His status is a little bit up in the air. Uh, hopefully, you know, by not having the game being played on Sunday, uh, giving that extra day, maybe he'll get out of the, the protocol by then. But uh, if if not, then I think Devontae Freeman is more than capable of sort of exceeding what uh, Tevin Coleman had in that first game. I think, I believe, Coleman had uh, like either 91 or 97 yards rushing in that game. And, and Freeman has been much better this season. So he has the potential to really go off in this game. And the third person I would pick is is someone on defense. And it's hard to sort of narrow it down to one player just because the Bucks' offensive line is dealing with so many injuries at this point. Um, and it's really, you could just sort of have pick and choose which one of the Falcons pass rusher will be able to overcome a potential matchup up front. But uh, for the time being, I guess I'll go with Grady Jarrett just because of not having Ali Marpet um, in that spot and um, being able to provide some pressure up the middle against uh, Jameis Winston, I think can really affect him and, and force him to maybe create uh, force some passes downfield and, and create some turnovers for the Falcons on the back end. Yeah, obviously Julio is still the uh, the player in the starring role of many Buccaneers fans' nightmares. But I'm I'm with you on Devontae Freeman. We didn't see him, as you said, in, in the first matchup. And he had some, some success against the Buccaneers last year. And if he's – it's interesting to look at a player at the caliber of Devontae Freeman and what a talented running back he is, yet he seems to play better when – Tevin Coleman is also in the lineup. So if Coleman doesn't get through the concussion protocol and isn't available to play on Monday night, it'll be real interesting to see if, if Freeman can take his game up to another level, or if he kind of falls back, like he tends to do in games where he doesn't have that, that partner in crime in Tevin Coleman. I mean, can you touch on that a little bit and kind of the, how you see Freeman being able to, to shoulder that, that, load all on his own that's an interesting observation you've made there um i don't quite perceive it the same way but you know it, it is one of those things where i think i 
it may just be me taking for granted the the Falcons having a great one-two punch, and it just it seems like Devontae Freeman's always playing well, and whether Tevin Coleman's in the lineup or not. But that that may be a, a fair and accurate statement. I think, you know, owing to that, I think may be the fact that Coleman's ability to sort of keep him fresh and the fact that Devontae's highly competitive. And so if there's a guy breathing, you know, breathing down his neck, trying to take carries from him, maybe that sort of pushes him the extra mile to uh, play a little bit better. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. So David kind of, what are your, what are your takes on, on Julio and, and Freeman on the offensive side? Well, I think, uh, I think Julio's in line for a big game. You already covered that. And, and those stats that you dropped that Jason Moore dropped on Twitter and, you know, as, as amazed as I was at those stats, I really wasn't surprised by them, if that makes sense. And, you know, I think he's going to, he's probably in line for another big day. And as far as Freeman, I mean, he's, he's one of my favorite running backs in the NFL for, for a big reason. And, and, you know, if he's doing well, the Falcons are doing well. And I just, the way that, the way that the Buccaneers defense has, has poorly attempted to contain opposing running backs all season long. I just, I don't, I don't imagine that it's going to really get any, any better in the last three weeks of the season. Um, so I, I feel like both those guys are, are probably, you know, set up pretty well to have good days on uh, national TV Monday night. And Aaron, I'm sorry, I forgot. Who was the the defensive lineman that you had named? I picked uh, Grady Jarrett. but uh, Grady Jarrett, could, thank you. Literally picked anybody, and it, I think it would have worked. <laughs> you don't mind <laughs> Yeah, uh, the the offensive line definitely has their struggles. Of course, you know, former former Buccaneer Adrian Claiborne didn't participate in, in practice today. Of course, that doesn't mean that he won't play on Monday. Just something to kind of to take note of. David, do you think this offensive line can withstand you know, the the amount of pressure that Jarrett can bring? You know, during you know when when Winston's dropping back, or or even. Uh, if Peyton Barber's carrying the the load in the running game, you know, how big of a, a threat do you view Grady Jarrett being on Monday? I mean, definitely a viable threat. I think he's – I don't think the pass protection is, is capable of stopping much, you know, these days. I think as far as Peyton Barber is concerned, you know, he, he's been able to show that he, he's not afraid to, to hit the hole and hit the line when, when needed. And I think that's going to have a little bit of a benefit, a benefit for him, and uh, when he's attacking this, the Falcons' defense, um, a, a Falcons defender also that I'm kind of looking at is is Deion Jones because I think that uh, he he's going to be a big part of kind of containing the running game for the, for the Buccaneers and and I don't want to say spying Jameis Winston because Jameis isn't a runner, but you know kind of watching for Jameis to get fixed on a, a receiver early on in the in the progression and and using his athleticism to, to jump a route or two or, you know, react to a tip pass if, if possible. All right. Aaron, I mean, do you see Dion? you know, since, since David brought him up, you know, do you see Dion Jones having a, having a, another big game for the Falcons against the Bucks Monday? It'll be interesting. I, I don't know if this is really the sort of game that Dion Jones typically shines in. Um, I think because he is more, you know, he's a fast, rangy guy that can play well in coverage. And, um, you know, it, it's possible. I, I, I won't dismiss it. 
But I, I do think in terms of his ability to defend the run, that has been a problem for him this year. Um, and, and so, you know, he really shined in that Thursday night game against the Saints. But that's really been his best game in, in, by far. So I don't know if I expect him to have a repeat performance along those lines. I, I think maybe there will be some matchups later on this season where he'll have an opportunity to shine. I just don't really see this as a game where he'll have to do a, a whole lot of heavy lifting. Um, I think the Falcons will rely heavily on their front and, and, you know, they'll put a lot of emphasis on their secondary to sort of slow down those uh, uh, top notch box receivers with Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. And I think the linebackers will just sort of hang out and, and do their thing, but not necessarily make a huge impact in this game. Okay. That's fair. And of course, as as Buccaneers fans have seen this year, you know, if, if the Falcons are the first ones to strike, the run game will be abandoned for the rest of the game. So, you know, Deion Jones won't have to worry about trying to stop Peyton Barber or Doug Martin or whoever the running back is at the time. In our next segment, we're going to get into three Buccaneers to keep an eye on. Uh, there's probably only three on the roster worth keeping an eye on, but we're going to dive into those players coming up next. You are listening to a special collaboration episode of the Locked On Bucks and Locked On Falcons podcast. I am James Yarko, alongside David Harrison and Aaron Freeman of the Locked On Falcons podcast. And David, why don't we go ahead and dive in to three Buccaneers to keep an eye on. And I'm going to defer to you to make the first call uh, as to who one of your X factors is for Monday night's game at Raymond James Stadium. I'm going to go with the easy one and steal Peyton Barber right off the top because okay. in, in the last time the, uh, the team the teams faced off, he only got five carries, he only got seven yards. Uh, he did get the two touchdowns, which, you know, fantastic, but he was not, you know, he wasn't the, the, the majority uh, carry, carry guy for, for the Buccaneers. And I think that – I think he's going to be in this game. I don't know. You know, I mean, Doug is still a veteran of, of the team and, and Cutter – you know, has mentioned, you know, he's he's had all pro seasons and, and so on and so forth. So I don't know, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I've been kind of out of the loop today, to be honest with you, but I don't believe that Doug is just going to get flat out benched for this game. I think that we're still going to see at least some sort of split type of, of plan. Um, what what was it that Dirk Cutter said in his press conference on the game? They had a plan where it was basically going to be Doug in the first half, Peyton in the second half type of deal. Um, right. I think we're probably going to see something similar, you know, unless Doug fumbles again. I mean, if Doug fumbles again, all bets are off, and, and you're probably looking at Peyton Barber for the rest of the game. But uh, I, I still think that that in in classic Southern style that we're going to see more of a split. But I think Barber's going to get much more than – or many more than five carries uh, in this game. Aaron – as a as somebody who covers the Falcons and and obviously has a a rooting interest in wanting them to do well, would you prefer to see Doug Martin or Peyton Barber lined up as the Buccaneers feature back? Well, if you know, obviously, I, you're right. I have a little bit of a bias. If, if Doug Martin plays like he did against Detroit, I'd, I'd rather see him because I think that's better for the Falcons. I, I think Barber looked uh, sharper last week. Um, I think Barber has a little bit more. Um, power to him um, that could give the Falcons a little bit more issues just because they haven't been a great tackling team. They haven't been a great run defending team. And if you can sort of create those yards after contact, uh, we saw Ingram do that, even though he didn't get a ton of carries on Thursday night, he was very effective running downhill and, and shedding 
a bunch of tacklers in that game. And so I think uh, between the two, Barber is probably the guy uh, based off of at least the recent uh, exposure might be the guy that might be a better option for the Bucks. So that therefore probably means that maybe Doug Martin might be the better option for the Falcons. Yeah, I I don't think you're alone in that sentiment, and that includes Buccaneers fans. A lot of them have been yelling for Peyton Barber all season long, and and I wrote a, a piece for thepeterplank.com saying that at this point, since the Buccaneers appear to be in full evaluation mode with the playoff uh, hopes gone, you know, mathematically eliminated, at this point it, it seems like the smarter move for the Buccaneers moving forward into 2018 is to go ahead and give Peyton Barber the majority of the carries, let him start, see what you have in him. He's not going to be the feature back, you know, 2018 and beyond, but you can see what you have in him. You can, you can go out and draft your complimentary back. And I think the days of Doug Martin in Tampa are pretty much done. You know, they can, they can get rid of him with absolutely no dead money, no cap hit, anything like that because of the failed drug test, voiding all of his guaranteed money. I'm going to go ahead and jump in with, with my Buccaneer to watch, you know, the, the number two one on our list. And I'm going to go with Quan Alexander. And it, it seemed like up until this season, whenever the Buccaneers played in Atlanta, Quan stepped his game up, not one, not two, but about 10 notches and had a career game in both of his his times playing in Atlanta. And this year he kind of he kind of fell flat in that Falcons game. I think with the the primetime spotlight and at the you know with the risk of of Levante David missing the game, you know, he was held out of practice with a hamstring issue. And we know how those hamstrings have been for the Buccaneers this year. Yeah, it, it's been multi week you know, injuries. I think Quan Alexander is not only going to step up his game to make up for the fact that he played poorly against Atlanta the first time, but he's going to have to step up to try to make up for the the loss of somebody who should be a first team all pro this season in Levante David, should he miss that game? Um, yeah, I think, you know, with Quan Alexander, um, he was a guy, you're right, that really shined in past matchups against the Falcons, always seemed to be constantly around the ball, creating turnovers. And I think they'll need him to do that same thing, particularly if David is absent, because I, I think the key to the Bucks' success this upcoming game will be to force a bunch of turnovers. The Falcons have been prone at various times this season um, to turning the ball over in critical moments. And, and I think um, given what we've seen this offense do to the Bucks defense in, a, in that recent matchup, I think probably their best formula for success is not necessarily expecting them to get stops uh, on defense, particularly with Gerald McCoy, their only legitimate pass rusher out of the lineup now. Um, I think they'll have to just rely on turnovers to, to be substitute for those stops. And, and um, I think Alexander is going to be a big part of that. David, any thoughts on on Quan against the Falcons and the potential of not having Levante on the field? You know, I'm a huge fan of Alexander, but you know, uh, truth be told, he hasn't had the greatest uh, time on the field this year. When he's been on the field, you know, he had that hamstring injury early on in the year. But uh, I've just I've kind of been waiting to see him just really get rolling. But the Falcons is a game where, you know, I mean, 
for, for the rest of his career, that's, that's going to be one of the shining moments in his career. You know, no matter where uh, Alexander's career goes from here, whether it's, you know, Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl or whether he just kind of becomes a, a mid-level journeyman who, you know, had some had some great moments on it on the teams that he played for. That that Falcons game that we all that all the Bucks fans remember so well, and some of the Falcons fans probably would rather forget uh, for Alexander spe- specifically will always stick out. But um, if if Levante is out, then I just think that Alexander is probably going to just try to do even more than he's already trying to do. And, and we've talked about this before. James and and I don't know Aaron if if when you're watching the Bucks if you if you're seeing the same things but to me it looks like Juan just kind of he's out there kind of overthinking and trying to do too much and trying to make too big of a play uh, sometimes and it's causing him to either misread things or hesitate just long enough for him to take himself out of the play sometimes and you know I'm just concerned about that especially and like I said if David's out then uh, you know I don't I don't see that healing itself uh, this Monday night. All right. Well, David, why don't you hit us with one more Buccaneer to keep an eye on? Um, I'm going to say Justin Evans. Sorry, I was, I was debating between two guys. Between um, Justin Evans and John Gruden? No. <laughs> John Gruden is not a Buccaneer, so he cannot be a Buccaneer to watch. But... I'm gonna, you know, I really want to drop a Star Wars spoiler right now. I wish I had a friend who would give me a Star Wars spoiler. Uh, I would never, I would never talk to you again. I doubt that. Um, <laughs> no, for the record, it's between Justin Evans and OJ Howard because uh, I, but you know, it's the youth movement thing. I think that we really need to see what the youth of this roster has to provide. And the reason I say Justin Evans over OJ because I think we kind of know what OJ has to bring to the field, and and you know. Um, there's plenty of athleticism and playmaking ability there, but I think he's kind of shown us, you know, why he was a first-round draft pick. And really, in the future, it's more about getting him more involved than he was this year. So for Justin, though, you know, an opportunity to kind of show some of the things he's learned because, again, you know, Julio Julio got some, got some, some plays uh, or made some plays over him, uh, even though uh, that one deep pass, I mean, he was in, in decent position. You know, Julio just uh, did what Julio does to defenders and, so I'm kind of curious to see if, if he plays any different or approaches this thing any different this week than he did the, the, the previous game uh, to see maybe some of the mental development of him in his rookie season. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here real quick, Aaron. I, I'm with you 100%. I, I have said it time and time again. I've loved watching Justin Evans develop. And one of the things that I loved about him in that Falcons game, despite that that long touchdown pass that Julio got over him is that Justin Evans showed absolutely no fear against one of the best receivers in the NFL. And he had a, a huge pass breakup in the first quarter on, on a deep pass to Julio. And it just, you know, it shows that he, he's not going to back down. He doesn't care if you're Julio Jones. He doesn't care if you're Odell Beckham Jr. He just, he doesn't care if you're Antonio Brown. It doesn't matter. He is going to, do his absolute best to make a play. And I love that about him. And I think he's going to be a big time impact player for the Bucks for quite a few years if he continues on this trajectory. Now, Aaron, I know I know Justin Evans obviously isn't a household name. He's a second round pick out of Texas AM. He didn't really break into the starting lineup until the second half of the season. He he 
played in spots here and there, filled in for injuries, but he's really started to solidify himself as the as a starting safety for the Bucks. Do you have kind of any takes on Evans? Do you do you remember anything that stood out to you in the first game regarding Justin Evans on the defense, or is he just kind of a guy that you know you didn't really notice and you might kind of key in on a little bit more now that we've brought him up? Uh, certainly more the latter. I was more curious about Evans, what your guys read on Evans. And I think you guys sort of said it, but like, I remember in the pre-draft process, there were some rumors and reports that the Falcons really liked Justin Evans. And there was an expectation that they might pull the trigger on him early in the draft. Obviously that was not the case because the Bucks drafted him and, uh, you know, the Bucks have, you know, watching from afar in the division, the Bucks have had really problematic safety play seemingly for ever at least uh, you know <laughs> since the heyday of uh, John Lynch and Dexter Jackson it seems like and so I was cu- more curious to sort of see if you guys thought maybe that Evans has shown enough that you're a little bit optimistic that maybe uh, at least long term that maybe one of those safety spots can be sort of solidified and 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 you know sort of stop the bleeding that's been at that position uh, from my perspective, at least for like six or seven years. Yeah, he uh, he's definitely giving us a little bit of hope, and and he's not exactly the player that we thought we were getting after he was drafted, and we started going back and watching some AM, A&M games, and, and David was one of the guys that pointed out, like, he is 100% a, a boom or bust type of player. You know, he's either going to – make you feel a hit or he's going to whiff and it's going to turn into an explosive play. And he hasn't really seemed to do that now with the Buccaneers. He's, he is much better at tackling than he appeared to be at, at A&M. And David, correct me if I'm wrong, but Justin Evans leads the team in interceptions, doesn't he? Yeah. So he's currently tied for the team lead along with uh, Brent Grimes and, and Rob McClain. Each of them have three okay. on the year. All right. So, yeah, I mean, he's out there making plays. He's not he's not sacrificing big plays in order to try to create a big play of his own. He's, you know, he's taking the opportunities that he sees, but he's not going to, you know, he he's not going to 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 try to intercept a ball that he has no chance of getting or try to blow up Julio Jones on a pass and and whiff and allow a 30 yard gain to turn into a 70 yard touchdown. That's it's, it's been nice to see that kind of growth from him from watching his, his college games to now what he's done with the Buccaneers. So guys, let's go ahead and, and wrap this up by jumping into some game predictions. So Aaron, why don't we go ahead and start with you? What, how do you see this, uh, this game ending on Monday night. I, I'm thinking the score is going to be similar to what it was a couple of weeks ago. I think the Falcons will win. I, I think the Bucks are, you know, have lost too many key players um, these last couple of weeks, particularly guys like McCoy and on the offensive line. And I just think that's just not a recipe for success against this Falcon team because the way that you want to beat them is by controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And I just don't think the Bucs have the horses to do so. So if I'm going to throw out a score, I'm thinking something along the lines of like 31 to 20. Okay. David, how about you? 
Yeah, I can get on board with thirty-one twenty. Um, I don't. I don't think spoiling anything is really enough of a motivation to to to, to take the Buccaneers over the hump they're going to need to get over in order to beat the Falcons on prime time. I think that you know at, at this point in in the season that from the, from an outsider standpoint, we're all just kind of we're all just kind of stuck in a, a position where we have to look for what can help this team in the future and just kind of be happy that the team isn't quitting. Uh, depending on how much uh, Gerald gets out there, uh, kind of like you said, Aaron, you know, that's, I think that's going to be a big part of it. You know, the, missing him against Detroit uh, after he came out, I think was pretty, pretty obvious at how big of a deal that was. And, you know, Aaron, I don't know if you guys, as if Falcons fans are aware of just, uh, just how much internal, uh, noise is made by some Buccaneers fans about Jerome McCoy and maybe not being a valuable member of the team, but, you know, he, he showed how valuable he was against Detroit when he came out. And I think that if he can't go all the way or if he can't go at all, or, you know, I know he's trying to, but uh, if he's, if he's not able to be the Gerald McCoy, we all know and love, then I think the uh, fans who doubt McCoy's impact are going to really start to see just what he brings to the field. Well, if you guys are looking to get rid of Jerry McCoy, we'll take him. See, I, everybody is. <laughs> the defense rests, McCoy haters. The defense rests. When a division rival is jumping all over him, you know he's a solid player. All right. Well, real quick before I give my prediction, uh, fun fact for Aaron, not so much David and I. In the last two primetime meetings between the Falcons and the Buccaneers, the Falcons have outscored Tampa Bay 99 to 42. Yikes. Wow. Yeah. So with that in mind, I'm not going to predict a massive blowout, but I, I'll make it a clean sweep. I think the Falcons are going to win, and I think it's going to be uh, – we'll go 34-23. to 23. And um, prepare yourselves, Buccaneer fans. If you are not on the bring back Gruden train, Monday night is going to be a nightmare for you. There's going to be signs. There's going to be chants. There's going to be Chucky dolls everywhere. It's going to be a headache. And if the Falcons come out swinging like we've seen them do on the last two primetime games and put this game to bed before the end of the first quarter, it's going to get even uglier. And that ring of honor ceremony at halftime is going to be real interesting. So we're going to have to have, uh, we're going to have to have Brent do some sort of live feed so that we can watch that, David. Yeah, that's going to be uncomfortable. That's going to be an uncomfortable moment. Like if it's 21 to three Atlanta going in half, like, Oh, it's going to be bad. So, all right. Well, gentlemen, that is going to wrap it up for this collaborative edition of the Locked On Bucks and Locked On Falcons podcast. Aaron, one more time, bud. Thank you so much for uh, for pitching this idea to us. We had a lot of fun. And where can the fine folks find you on Twitter? Falcons is my Twitter handle, F-A-L-C-F-A-N-S. And, of course, you can also tweet at locked on falcons if you have any podcast related thoughts or questions all right and you can find us of course at locked on bucks at the pewter plank i am at j yarko underscore bucks and david is at dh82 underscore bucks david any parting thoughts before we get out of here 
Um, if if Julio Jones is listening, have mercy. <laughs> All right. Well, we would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us here on this lovely, lovely Friday. And well, may the force be with you.